Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Caught up earlier today with Fred Bell. He's the CEO of Elemental Royalties, TSXV listed uh, royalty company focused on precious metals. We talk about the South 32 acquisition, which has gone through. They raised some money recently too, uh, refinancing out the Sprott debt and what the future holds for them. If you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversation, the company itself, and indeed the CEO, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports and analysis. There's commentary from experts from around the world under a variety of uh, commodities and companies, including royalties, which you'll find insightful. We've got training courses to help you with your own diligence process. We've got summaries of other interviews that we've done to save you some time because we know you're busy. And if you want to join a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe and friendly environment, you can do so at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Fred, how are you, sir? Very good, thanks, Matt. Wonderful. How are you coping in London? Riddled with Corona. I haven't been back since March last year. Yeah, probably not too far from you. Um, probably a similar position, but um, left, definitely looking forward to travel opening up and, and being able to go to um, not just to, to Canada or the US, but I think actually to mine sites in due course as well and see some of the projects we've got royalties on, which we haven't been able to do in the past year at all. Yeah. Well I, well, I mean, since we last spoke, you're, you're no longer the new boy in the block. You've, you've had to do a bit of growing up. That's, that's yeah, that's right. Um, getting, uh, I think um, the, the South 32 transaction was, it was a really game-changing acquisition for us. Um, that was the size of the company. We have a, a new, just under 20% shareholder who's, um, you know, uh, a major miner. Um, and I think all the benefits that both that deal will bring to us, um, but also I think, um, going forwards, I think opportunities will come out of it. So very, very different to where we were three months ago, very different that was to six and seven months ago when we listed, and, and then a year ago today when we were still a private company. So a lot's happened over the last year, and um, even working from our living room here in London. <laughs> Well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it, okay? But again, for people new to this, Royalty Week, we're talking to royalty companies. Uh, give us a one-minute overview of what's, uh, what you've got there, and then I'll pick it up with some questions, okay? So Elemental is a royalty company that listed in the middle of 2020 on the TSXV in Canada. We have a portfolio now of, of nine royalties. I think the real differentiator for us is that most of those are high-quality producing assets. And so straight away, if you look at the sub-billion dollar royalty space, Elemental's the third highest in revenue, um, but we're probably you know, only the seventh or eighth in terms of market cap. So I think that's a real differentiator for us from the beginning. We've gone for a, a smaller portfolio of good quality producing royalties, and that gives us the diversified foundation of revenue to build the company up from. So it's, it's by no means the easiest thing to do. In fact, it's the other way around. It's by far and away the hardest thing to do. Um, producing royalties are like mines. Uh, there's 10 expiration ones for every actual operating mine there is. And so um, always hard to do, but we've we've done that over the past couple of years. And I think it puts us in a really good stead going forwards. Right. So let's talk about some of these challenges that you face as a, as a young, small company. You're private for a while, went public last year at TSXB, which is, which is great. But you chose to make a couple of acquisitions. I mean, you've done it twice now. You've sort of doubled the size of the company twice by making acquisitions of equals, as it were, right? The most recent being 30, uh, South 32. 
Um, do you think you overpaid for that? No, I think it's, if you look back at the deals we've done, actually one of the ones that um, internally we, we sort of had a lot of debate on the price on was the Wang Yon royalty that we bought at the start of last year. And we, we actually negotiated for a long time on the price on that. And we really sort of tossed it backwards and forwards. And um, if you look at it today, um, it's, it's a royalty that's it's probably uh, um, maybe a, a, six, a six or six, seven year payback. Um, and it's a royalty that with the acquisition of Taranga by Wang Yon, um, you know, not only does it have a 10 year mine life, um, but it's also, they've just announced a, a really material exploration program on it for the rest of this year. So that is a mine that will probably, in our view, still be where it is today in 10 years time and still have the mine life ahead of it in 10 years time, but will be fully repaid in, in six or seven years. And that doesn't always come through um, initially um, when you buy it. And, and often people say with royalty, especially good quality royalty acquisitions, you're paying a, you're paying a full price for it. But the best royalties are the ones that actually um, often what you pay at the beginning is, is because of the expiration potential. It's because of the management team. It's because of the operator. And it gives you all the benefits that a royalty should in terms of optionality going forwards. Right, because when I, some of the CEOs that I've spoken to out there in the market felt that that was an expensive acquisition. Do, can you justify it as being the right price for you because it delivered something else, which was gave you a size, a critical mass of size to get you noticed? Yes, and if you look at Elemental's history to date, um, so since we started the company, I think we've got the best track record of adding value for shareholders in the acquisitions we've done. And, and that is in our presentation, it's, it's undisputable based on where we've got to today. If you look at um, Quale, it's probably a 40% plus IRR. Um, I think by the end of next year, three of our royalties will have fully repaid us on the acquisition cost. And those are operating mines still going. And so, you know, again, it's, it's easy to say, okay, well, you're buying a royalty on Australia's newest gold mine, that looks expensive, but actually in two years time, that might look like a really good deal. And if you look at the deals that we have done to date, that I think is borne out in some of those acquisitions and in what they have delivered to us. And, and the other aspect is as well, um, we're getting to that inflection point where we're, we had just over $5 million of revenue last year. So, so the third highest and sub billion dollar market cap. And when you're at the stage we are now, every million dollars of revenue that we add in terms of um, going forward to royalty revenue, every million dollars of royalty revenue we add, we're, we're seeing sort of 90% of that as, as free cash flow because our costs are relatively fixed. And so we're at that point now where if we double our revenue, we might actually be tripling or quadrupling our free cash flow. And you really start to get the benefits coming through. Whereas the problem is when you're, and this is why we started privately, when you start and you have won $2 million of royalty revenue, you're always using that to sort of pay your costs just to tread water. And so you're diluting yourselves every time. And we want to get to that dream position where we think we'll be second half of this year, where we have enough revenue, 10 million plus on a go forward basis. Um, and and you know, that puts us in a position where we can really start to use that to reinvest as we go forward. So it, it again, it, it puts the company in a very different position to, to where we were. Um, the Wang Yon acquisition did the same. And I think that if you give us, if you sort of look forward in a year's time, similar to the Wang Yon acquisition, I think you'll be able to see the value come through out of that. Right. Okay. So it, it'll take time to manifest itself. 
and it's a question of what you do in that intervening period. So, but I do feel there's a disconnect between what you're telling me and what the market's doing. Because when we spoke in November, share price 179 down to 139 today, it's been a fairly erratic ride down to this point. I mean, what's going on? Yeah, so we so just to context for everyone, um, we started at these at 2020 when we were still private. I think we did a one dollar fundraise, and then we listed at one dollar thirty in the summer of last year. Um, and then since that, and we're public then, so you can see the prices sort of been up 180 to sort of 130, 140 sort of price range, and that's about I think where we are now, and um, 140 range. And I think that if you um, if you look at the assets that we have. These are really high quality royalties producing assets. And on any of the valuation metrics at the moment, Elemental is, is stand out on value. And I think that there couldn't be a, a better time for someone to actually invest in the company. Um, if, you, if you think that in Q2, we have our biggest royalty coming on stream in Australia, um, which will more than double the revenue of the market cap, or double the revenue of the company going forwards. Um, if you look at some of these, some of these assets, as they start to come on in the next year, and we've already paid for these, we have a lot of organic growth in there. And that I think is absolutely key for investors um, to look at. And, and you can buy us at almost the same price as you could when we listed last summer. So it is a, it's a really good, um, it's a really good value proposition. And you know, if you say, look at what the directors are doing, I think directors and management have probably spent um, uh, maybe $2 million since we listed. Um, sort of investing in the company themselves. And, and that's at higher prices again than it is today. So there's no doubt that, that we believe where we're going. Um, there's probably 16% of the company is held by directors and management. Um, and so I think with these royalty acquisitions starting to come through over the course of the next six months, you should really see that reflected in our price. Right. And obviously gold's come off a bit. Precious metals have come off a bit since November. I think there's the, that we'll throw that into the mix too. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to get you to explain to me why life is going to be great going for, forward. Okay. So of the projects that you've got, let's, let's look at the next two years. How many of those have JORC compliant or 43101 compliant resource numbers on them? How much drilling is happening at those? How much money is being spent at those? And how do you kind of quantify or work out when you're going to see some level of contribution uh, from them? So I think that's, that's a key differentiator for Elemental. Our royalties are not, you look at the portfolio, they're not expiration royalties, which might come in. Everyone knows the mining space. They might come in in five years. They might come in in 10 years. I can remember going to analyst brokers 10 years ago, and I saw a tombstone on the wall for development financing. And I went in there when we could still travel two years ago, and they'd recently done another development financing package. So the difference with Elemental is that the, the majority of our royalties are on already producing mines. And of the royalties we bought from South 32, the largest one, the majority of the value, is currently more than halfway through construction. It's commissioning in Q2. So it's commissioning in Q2 2021. And that will double our revenue almost going forward. So what you see there is that straight away, we have a portfolio that is really de-risked. It has good quality producing assets. And the great thing about that is the operators then, when they find another 100,000 ounces, they're not having to invest the same capital expenditure development that they do. It's very easy. They're very incentivized to bring that through. And so if you look at the recent acquisition of Taranga by Endeavor, that, that puts one of our royalties in the hands of a top 10 gold miner globally. 
And again, that's that's one of those real differences with us, good quality assets, good quality counterparties. And Endeavor announced very recently $12 million expiration spend on Wang Yon um, for the remainder of 2021. And that is the second highest expiration spend of any of the assets in their portfolio. So it gives you an indication of the expiration upside they see in it. And for us, that mine, if it has a nine-year mine life, roughly speaking, looking forwards, then you know, I think we'll see over the course of this year um, really good results coming out of that. And, and the good thing is that when you see results coming out on an existing mine, it stands a very high chance that that will actually be mined come through to us as a royalty company. Again, lots of exploration projects, lots of you know, developing those, advancing them, but they still have that big hurdle of building the mine and getting over to the next stage. And that's what we don't have with the majority of our royalties. Um, and so I think that's where, that's where, we, um, that's where we really offer investors um, diversified revenue from the outset in a royalty company that we've shown we can grow um, we've nearly doubled our revenue every year since we started the company. And again, it's, it's in our presentation, it's public, so anyone can audit us on that. Um, we had just over 5 million US dollars of revenue last year. Um, so I think that's, that's in a nutshell um, what you have to look forward to with Elemental. Right. And so just in, you talked about gold equivalency, which you're starting to report in. So what, what is that number currently or what's it going to be by the end of this year on resources whether you've got 100% or, or otherwise on that resource? So we, um, we, we just started, uh, as of this year, um, started reporting in as you, as you mentioned, gold equivalent ounces. And, um, and for last year, 2020, we had approximately 2,900 um, attributable zero cost gold equivalent ounces. And, and that's really important as well, because sometimes... If you're doing a stream, you might be paying 30 or 40% of the cost on an ongoing basis, maybe 20%, um, but you're paying something. These are all royalties, so we're not paying anything for these going forwards. Um, so we had approximately 2,900 zero-cost gold equivalent ounces um, for last year. And for, um, for 2021, we've forecast 4,000 to 4,400 gold equivalent ounces. And that's if we do nothing else. And, and the key thing I would, I would highlight is that um, those are not you know, in a development project that's two years away, that you know, has a lot of hurdles ahead of it. That is mostly being driven um, by Carla Winder, which is fully financed um, and it's more than halfway through construction coming on in the next couple of months. So it is a much lower risk number than it might be where we're talking about a whole lot of development projects. Right. And, and just looking at tiers, because a tier time frame, nothing wrong with looking at that. You've got a better sense of what's going on in terms of the risk component there. I mean, how, how many, how much drilling is happening? How many dollars have been spent drilling out on those projects, which you think will um, come, come get in the next two years? So um, I, I suppose that it's, it's, uh, we're just in a period where our, our royalty on Mercedes that Premier Gold had they have, um, at the end of last year, they were uh, announced the acquisition by Equinox, that's Ross Beatty's vehicle. So that is currently going through. So we expect we'll have an update on that um, at some point over the course of this year. Um, at Taranga's Wanyon, um, which is now Endeavour, and that acquisition closed about a month ago, they have announced, as I said, that $12 million program. Um, and I don't have a breakdown of what that comes into in drilling, but again, we'll see that over the coming months. On our other royalties at Carla Winder, which is the next largest, 
that royalty um, is currently being built. So I suspect that that will be the focus for the rest of this year, commissioning that, getting it up to production, getting it up to um, you know, full scale um, production. And, and then we'll start to see a bit like we did with Wang Yong. The first year is sort of mining. And then as soon as that you get to steady state, you then start adding in exploration. Um, but in terms of, um, I suppose, in, in terms of where we see the exploration potential, one of the things I, I would say is that, again, unusual for a company our size in our position, but two of the royalties we have cover genuinely district scale land packages. So Wang Yon is a thousand square kilometer license package and Mercedes is about a 700 square kilometer license package. And when we talk about the Mercedes royalty, um, that royalty, although the mine operates today, it doesn't start paying us till the 28th of July, 2022. So when you look at our revenue, not only do we have expiration across those assets, but the revenue, this is the first year we'll have 12 months of royalty revenue from Wang Yong. Next year will be the first year we have 12 full months of royalty revenue from Carla Winder. And then because Mercedes kicks in halfway through the year, um, 2023 will be the first year we have first a full year of revenue from Wang Yong, from Carla Winder and from Mercedes, if we do nothing else. And that is... Yeah, that is one of the key factors for us. We can point to mines at the stage they're at already operating or very near to commissioning that are being going to be kicking in over the next 12 or 18 months and going to put Elemental in a very different position to where we sit today. And I think that that's our base case if we sit here in our living room and they cut off the phone lines and they don't allow us to leave, that, that will happen. Right. Markets don't like that. They want constant growth stories out there, so you're not allowed to do that. Um, let's talk about your finances, though, because you've got a very expensive facility in place with Sprott. You raised your 16 million, I think you closed it just in February, didn't you? Um, um, which is great. Um, and you don't have much cash in the kitty right now. So how are you restructuring all of the above? So we have, um, as it stands, just background for everyone, we have um, a $25 million loan facility, US dollar loan facility with Sprott Lending that has a six month minimum term and a two year max. And we have about 7 million US in cash at the moment. And in terms of what we're looking to do, I think we're, we're looking to do very similar to what we did with, with Wang Yong. Um, and we used a, a lending facility with Sprott then. And what we did is we, we had a six months essentially facility from Sprott Lending. It was eight and a half million US dollars at that point. And we were able to acquire the royalty, list the company, and then repay the, the finance facility. I think in, in the position we are now, one of the things we have spoken to a little bit hinted at in the past is that with the commissioning of our new royalty in Australia, Carla Winder, roughly doubling the revenue of the company, we're, we're getting into the position where we believe we can set up credit facilities with some of the big Canadian banks. And that, again, really differentiates us because not only then do we have the third highest revenue of any royalty company under a billion market cap, but we're then only the third royalty company under a billion market cap that would have credit facilities with the big Canadian banks, which you can only do if you have the kind of high quality um, producing assets that we have and the revenue base. And that instantly, if we do that and we don't do anything else, that saves us a million dollars a year in interest costs um, straight away going forwards. And so if we do that and suddenly you factor in that into our valuation, um, it has a really positive impact. So I think that the second half of this year, as Carla Winder comes on, and if we're able to refinance the, the debt facility with Sprott, 
Elemental will be transitioning into going towards from a junior royalty company into a mid-tier royalty company. And, and the great thing is, as we always say, this is, this is on the basis of what we already have done. And, um, and if you look at our revenue graph when we listed, if you looked at our revenue graph a year ago, um, it would look very different to where it is today. So that growth that we have, we have put in the company, um, every year we have added to it. And we expect that this year, we're going to be able to keep adding to it as we go. Okay. The point I was making was it's very expensive facility with Sprott, but it was necessary and that's the deal you could get done. You feel now you can, you can save yourself a million bucks a year if you can get that refinanced by one of the big banks. Yes. And, and it's, it's, I think it's a great, it's a great tool to be able to use um, <clears throat> for us to be able to use that to get to the next stage of the company's evolution. And um, if we can then set up facilities with the bigger banks, we have so much more flexibility going forwards in terms of acquisitions and opportunities. So yes, there is a short-term cost to it, but it puts us in a very different place going forward. And again, it differentiates us versus most of the royalty companies in the space we're in. Right, okay. So I think we're, we're agreed. It was You needed to do it. It was right for the, the time. Um, now you, you've moved on. Um, You've also got to keep talking growth story here. So we get that your current portfolio is great and there's a lot of near-term revenue, cash flow and free cash flow as well, um, but you need to grow. So how do you go about structuring a company over and above? I mean, what, what sort of credit facility would you be talking about if you did go to one of the big Canadian banks? I think it would initially be replacing what we already have. Um, and then I think what you can do is, as you do further acquisitions, you can bolt on larger facilities. And I think actually you've seen that in the last five years with some of the other royalty companies as they have done that similar similar sort of um, similar story. In terms of the, the royalty opportunities we're looking at, um, we're, I think, looking at a whole range from a few hundred thousand dollars up to 40 million. So it's a very wide remit in terms of size. And as ever, it's, it's largely driven by what fits us at that point in time. And, um, and I think when we listed, a lot of the feedback we got was you've done a very good job in delivering value, but it would be, you know, some scale and some critical mass is, is really important to Elemental. And I think the South 32 deal fitted that mandate really well because it, it will double the size of the company um, in terms of revenue. It will add so many answers to the company in a tier one jurisdiction, which is what we didn't have at the time. And that's really important, particularly when talking to lenders, debt financers, having tier one facility, uh, tier one jurisdiction royalties makes a real difference. So I think that now where we where we sit here today, we're looking at a number of um, probably what you'd call incremental um, acquisitions, um, but we're certainly also still continuing to look at a few that would um, you know, put the company in a very different place. And there's, I don't think there's a shortage of royalty opportunities out there. Um, one of the questions we get asked the most is competition in the royalty space. And are you always bumping into peers? And um, uh, that, I think most of the deals that we have done to date have been sourced directly by us um, and, um, and deals that we, um, we sort of generated ourselves. And so in those, we're not typically coming up against other royalty companies. Um, and then I think you're probably the exception, Wang Yon and South 32, um, where some of the bigger royalty companies, uh, I think were certainly interested in those. Um, so for us, it's always been a mix of, of trying to find some, some really good value opportunistic acquisitions, as well as some of those that 
transform the company's uh, future and, and sort of where we're at. Yeah, okay. Look, and I guess you can't really talk to me about organic growth or maybe you sort of have in the sense that you're waiting to hear yourself of what that looks what that looks like. But in terms of acquisitions, again, I hear what you're saying. It's opportunistic and there is competition. You know, whatever way you look at it, there's always going to be competition. Your job is to make sure you don't overpay for these things and that because that affects all of your portfolio. Yeah, I think... Um... I think again, if you look at um, the, the best, the best answer I can say is always look at what we've done today, and look at the portfolio we have, and, and look at the returns that we have delivered on that. And I think um, we have we've we've added our we've grown our share price every year um, at the same time as growing the size of the company. And um, some of the deals we're looking at now, um, I think, are, are really attractive. And, and you mentioned earlier the gold price coming off a bit. Um, in some ways, that actually makes it a little bit easier for a royalty company, um, looking at precious metals royalties opportunities in particular. Um, and so I think we're, we're certainly in a, in a really good place to continue to build out the portfolio um, with acquisitions. I think we, we still very much like the opportunities that are closer to production, but there also comes a point in our evolution where we can start to build out the pipeline. And I think in the past, we had said, broadly speaking, that we wanted to get to a $10 million revenue number um, and, and have a sort of credit facility in place before we start to build out the pipeline of, of future opportunities. And so I think as we go every week, every month, we get closer to that. It gives us more flexibility to look at a wider range of opportunities and actually they would fit really well within us as well. Okay. And what are you trading at versus your cash flow at the moment? So we're, we're probably trading um, at about... Uh, um, well, in, in US dollar terms, we had uh, $5 million of, of gross royalty revenue um, in 2020. Um, and we're, we're currently about a, a US dollar 75 million market cap, give or take. And then for this year, we're looking at about $7.5 million of royalty revenue. So if you look at us for 2021, we're probably at about a 10 times revenue um, in, in where we are. And that is I think if you look across the, the royalty space, that is again, it's a, it's it stands out in terms of um, I think the the value that we offer investors at the moment. And the key thing that I would look at as an investor is is always cash flow. Um, you know, it's if you have that diversified base of revenue from the beginning, you have a much greater platform to build a company from. And um, I think. One of the one of the things that um, Pierre Lassonde always says is, is people ask him you know, about a royalty company. He says, you know, what were the first royalties they had? Um, because that really dictates um, how well the company can do. And our first royalty repaid us in under two and a half years. Um, and if you look at our royalties that we have today, we have some really high quality assets in there that are going to continue giving us money to reinvest in future opportunities as we go forwards. And so if you put Carla Winder and Wang Yon as our two cornerstone assets, I would hope to be here in 10 years' time um, when we're talking again and say these two mines have the same mine life ahead of them, but they have over that time given us you know, X million dollars to reinvest in royalty opportunities and keep building out the pipeline. Okay. We don't hear it much from you in the marketplace. Marketing doesn't seem a priority for you. Why is that? I think it's it is it's definitely something that um, we have been I think always aiming to do more on 
And I think that now with the closing of the South O2 transaction that you you mentioned a few weeks ago, income in, in February um, this year, I think it gives us a really, um, it gives us a bandwidth and ability to really focus on the marketing. And the other aspect of it, of course, is that we now have more organic growth in the company's pipeline that we already own than yeah. we've ever had. So we can go out there and actually we can really, really focus on, on getting the message and the story out there because we have got so much royalty revenue growth coming in over the next 12 months with uh, 18 months with Carla Winder and then with Mercedes. Um, so I think that puts us in a bit better position to do it. Um, I also think probably if you'd asked me eight months ago um, when we listed um, last summer, if we thought that you know, we'd still be unable to travel to Canada, um, we probably would have thought we'd be over there by now. So um, I think we're definitely um, itching to get to get over um, and to be able to to market not just to individuals but to, to brokers um, in person and and really start to get story out there. Um, and I think that um, sometimes that takes time, and I think it's taken longer with us. But with some of the catalysts that we have coming up, up over the next six months. Um, it will really start to differentiate Elemental, again, on the basis of what we already have, which is a wonderful position to be in. And I think the value will, will really show and come through from that. Are you going to be able to start laying out um, all of the portfolio for people to be able to discern where you're at which, with each of them? I know we, we talked today about the core assets and the near-term assets, but you, you've got a you know growing portfolio. Um, you may or may not understand where each of those is in terms of its de development, in terms of dollars being spent, meters being drilled, et, et cetera. Is that, is that something that you're going to be able to share with the market? I think it's, I think every, um, every quarter that we're listed, it gets easier and easier to demonstrate to investors. So every quarter is another quarter of public track record in terms of revenue. And, and last year, um, we announced our preliminary Q, uh, 2020 numbers and it was 5.1 million US in line with what we have guided. And so I think that will be, again, a really good point for investors is just, you know, if we do what we say we've done, and then as the months go by, we can start to show Endeavor exploration at Wang Yong. We can start to show Carla Winder coming on stream. We can you know, see as Equinox advance with Mercedes, all of these really positive things, um, I think will start to add a lot of value. And, and even on some of our other royalties that, at um, Austral Gold, Zamankar in Chile. Um, they had a really good expiration update recently um, and some really good hits. And that's our highest royalty by percentage, 2.25% NSR. So um, I think as time goes by, um, it gets easier and easier to point to some of the expiration and then the read-through value that it adds to elemental shareholders. That's that's what I want. That's what we're getting at, Fred, is it's, it's more about the rest of the portfolio that we can see over time how each of the assets in your portfolio of companies is developing or not. And I think some of the larger companies are, are doing this as, as a matter of course. And if, you know, I would encourage royalty companies across the board to be more open with the data that they they share with the, with the public, um, certainly allow, allowing us to see how you are moving forward, how the projects and portfolio is developing. Yeah, and that's, that's actually, again, um, one of the big benefits of having um, predominantly producing assets is that they're reporting their own quarterly um, results typically, whether you're ASX listed or in Canada, um, you are typically giving quarterly results. And those quarterly results 
um, are really transparent. And so for us, when you look at the Q4 numbers, as an example, you could probably get a pretty good read through on where our numbers are going to be um, before we even announced it, just by looking at the underlying operators. And that's something, that transparency is something that you can do with producing assets that with some of the development assets, it's very hard to know if it will be one year, two years, or three years. Um, and, and on the exploration side as well, um, one, of the, one of the things that um, I think you can have is that when you get a very large $5 billion, $10 billion operator, sometimes they're doing really good exploration in the background, but it's not material enough for a company of that size to put all the information out on a regular basis. And so I think where we can, we, we definitely, we will. And we try and highlight where there's really good results on some of our royalties um, so that investors can see it as well. Right, okay. So that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah of course, punters can go and have a look at what everyone else is doing, but collating 100, 200 assets in one spreadsheet when you already do it seems, uh, you know, fruitless exercise. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying you guys need to perhaps up your game in general as a, as a, as a sector uh, and just help us poor minions uh, work uh, the information a little bit easier. That's all I'm asking. Yeah, I, it's, it's a really good point because one of the, and, and the reason we often use the, the you know, cash flow numbers for Elemental, the revenue numbers, is because when you talk about net asset value, net asset value is always calculated on various, you might call it to some extent, subjective metrics. And so one person's net asset value can be very different to someone else's. What you can't fudge is you can't fudge revenue. You can't fudge how much money you're getting from the royalties and when it's coming in. And that's why I think, again, Elemental, we have the third highest revenue in the sub-billion dollar royalty space. And actually, we're nowhere near the third highest market cap. We're the you know, seventh highest market cap. And I think there's a really big difference there. And I think that when you look at revenue, you see Elemental and you see a company that has more than covering its costs. Every year, it's going to be able to reinvest more and more in royalties. We have a really diversified portfolio with high quality operators that no other royalty company our size has. And so to be trading at the valuation we're at is one of the lowest, it's an anomaly. And that's before taking into account our biggest royalty, Australia's newest gold mine that's coming on stream in Q2. It's why I'm, it's why I'm suggesting it. We've, we've had conversations with royalty companies who are making claims about production on assets which don't even have a resource. They're saying we'll be in production within two years. There's no resource on the asset. So how are they going to get production and therefore a royalty in two years' time? Beggar's belief. So I'd say as an industry, it'd be better if you had a less subjective view of what what the numbers looked like. Uh, it would help companies like yourself yeah. uh, who are think, focusing on the right think, thing, which is cash flow, I think, right? I think it really would. And I think that um, we, we sometimes hear that from investors, um, which is, you know, is it better to have 20 exploration royalties or five or six producing royalties? And they're chalk and cheese. And I say, it's very much like, just think of the mining industry as a whole. There are 2000 listed exploration companies or mining companies in Canada. There's probably a hundred producers. And, and you know a lot of those exploration ones are hopes and dreams. And there are some really good quality ones in there. And the future of the industry will come from exploration development. But a lot of it is hopes and dreams. And Elemental, we have um, some really good quality producing assets that underpin our valuation and then allow us to go out and invest in 
good quality exploration and development stories, but without relying on it. You know, if it takes, this is a, this is a reason why for Elemental starting privately, this is why we, we focused on producing royalties from day one. Our first royalty was a producing royalty that covered our costs. Um, we've been cash flow positive since we started the company privately. And the reason was because if you start with development royalties and instead of taking a year, they take three years, we're all in the mining industry. We all know that happens. It's, sometimes it's not anyone's fault, government permitting, lots of things can change, but um, that can really impact you if you are dependent on that revenue. But if you're in the position where you have five or $10 million of revenue, you've got money every year, you can reinvest. Then all of a sudden, if that mine, which is your sixth or seventh royalty, if that takes an extra year, yes, you'd much rather it didn't, but you know what? It's not going to really materially hurt you. It will be a year and then it will come in. You have no extra costs for that year. So that's the reason we have gone about it in the order we have done it. And it's, it's a lot harder. Um, yeah, everyone out there wants growth and they really want growth in revenue. And actually, I think the only royalty company that started from scratch as a real startup that has delivered that royalty revenue growth year on year um, is Elemental. I think if you look at yeah, two of the other royalty companies that are the two biggest sub-billion dollar space, they were both spin-outs from, from majors or from existing portfolios. If you look at the ones who have started up themselves, Elemental actually stand out from everyone else in what we have been able to deliver with good quality producing royalties. And that, again, is where I would say investors should really focus um, when they're judging companies and assets. Bird in the hand, Fred. That's the phrase I thought of yeah. when you were talking. Um, well, great. Look, great catch up. Nice to see things moving forward like this. Uh, look forward to... Well, let's see those numbers pouring in at the end of the year for you from Australia. Hope they do. Um, yeah. And, and actually, just one thing um, I think possibly should touch on. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, um, I think it's it's a question that we had when we did the South A2 transaction. Um, and it's on that largest royalty we have, Carla Winder, that's coming on in Q2. And I think that um, some of the questions we had were that there is a, um, an option for BHP so the world's second, first or second largest miner, to buy back that royalty um, or buy back up to 70% of it of the mine and, and cancel the royalty if the resource gets to 5 million ounces. And um, it's probably a really good, um, um, I think, sort of summary opportunity for us to summarize the position, which is that currently the mine has 2.1 million ounces. Um, that option does not appear until it has 5 million ounces. And so if you said that, um, in 10 years time, they have replaced all the resource reserves they have mined. Maybe it will be three and a half million ounces. It's still a reasonably long way from getting to 5 million ounces. So if it gets there, it's a very good problem um, to have because it will have more than doubled its resource um, over time. But the second, and I think really important thing is that we're aligned with the operator in terms of not wanting to exercise that and they control what the resource is. And the, re the option to buy it back for BHP is three times the accumulative cost today. So if this resource gets to 5 million ounces in 15 years time, the cost of three times expenditure is going to be very likely in the billions of dollars for 70% of what is there, which is going to be in excess of the market cap of China. So it's not an economic um, option to pull in. And the reason, the history behind it is that BHP originally explored this project for nickel and they sold it 
and they sold it, but they wanted a clawback in case it was a BHP size discovery. And that was 5 million ounces of gold or 120,000 tons of nickel. And in reality, it's a, it's a great mid-tier miner. Um, it's going to do 120 to 140,000 ounces a year, but that's not a BHP sized mine. And that is not um, you know, the resource where it is now, is still a decade from getting to that stage. And so from that point of view, um, that's why the clawback was put in place. Um, and I think that gave us a lot of reassurance, both when we did the work on it, but also talking to the operator and, and their view on it, um, on, that, on that clawback and um, on the economics of it. But I, I flag it because I, talking about the royalties coming on stream, I think it's really important to um, just to reiterate that that is not a, it's, it's a risk that, you know, we don't believe is economic. And it's a risk that we don't believe would eventuate, you know, say for the next decade at least. Okay. Thanks to whoever sent that question and thanks for spotting it. Yeah. <laughs> whoever, um, whoever, whoever that was. Um, okay. Well, look, appreciate your time today, Fred. Thanks for the update. Stay in touch. Let us know how you get on. Okay. Much appreciate, Matt. Thanks. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.